Hello everybody, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the latest ianabernethy.com podcast. Uh, in this podcast we're talking to Jesse Enkamp of Karate by Jesse Fear. Uh, Jesse is truly one of those people who needs no introduction, but as is the tradition with these things, I shall introduce him anyway. Uh, Jesse, as you know, very prolific on social media, has a great website, um, has a real uh, high energy and enthusiasm about him. I think he does a, a great service to the karate community. He's one of the few uh, people who provides content right across the board as well. So it doesn't matter what elements of karate you're interested in, Jesse has something for you. You know, Whether you're a sports practitioner or a traditionalist or you like the culture of it or you're into the bunkai of it, uh, Jesse's one of the guys that truly seems to be uh, into all the various strands that karate has. Um, so we've been chatting online and we decided that it would be nice to kind of get Jesse on, onto the, the podcast. I mean, I've known him for a very long time. We, we, we chat online quite regularly, but it's the first time we've actually talked, talked, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of nice to, to have it recorded. Uh, and I said to Jesse, you know, what would you like to talk about? Because, again, he's one of these guys that covers all the various strands and he said anything, <laughs> anything karate. So it was obviously a wide-ranging conversation, but I uh, think you'll enjoy the, the content that we've got. Again, as you'll see, he's a great speaker, very, very eloquent, has, has lots of insightful things to say, and I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, listening to, uh, to, to Jesse's uh, insights into all things karate. So in other bits of news, I want to tell you about my friend Lee Sims' new podcast, if you haven't checked that out, please do. Uh, uh, Lee's a great guy, got a black belt under me, very bright guy, he's written some books on self-defense and the law. He's a guy I also want to get on the podcast, uh, but I'm pleased to say he started his own, so please check that out. Uh, Jamie Club, who'll be on uh, forthcoming edition of the podcast, he started his own podcast too now as well. So there's again, you've got to listen to those two guys' podcasts, both bright, insightful, uh, eloquent guys, and you'll, you'll enjoy what, uh, what they've got to say. Uh, so I think that's all I've got to, for this introduction. Um, let's now talk to Jesse of Karate by Jesse. Okay, so here I am with uh, Jesse Enkamp of Karate by Jesse. So um, it's great to have you on, Jesse. I'm really pleased you could join us for the podcast. Thank you very much, Sensei Ian. It is, my, it is my absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so happy that we finally get to speak after so many years <laughs> online. It is just crazy that we've never actually spoken or met in real life. So I'm super happy to be here and share a little bit of my journey with your audience. Yeah, that's really kind of you. And that's true. That's, that's, again, this is a little bit of martial history, this. you know, And the fact we're recording the, the first ever real conversation we've ever had. Is, that's yeah, pretty, that's pretty, it is. It is, for sure. That's pretty cool. So... Um, um, if I mean obviously, you know, the vast majority of people listening to this will be very familiar with with your work. You're very prolific, you know. You've got a great YouTube channel, great website, lots of good content you put out. But maybe we could just start with just telling people about how you got involved in the martial arts, what you've trained in, your kind of superhero origin story, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my pleasure, absolutely. So the way I started practicing karate was pretty much because my parents practiced. And so that's how I got my start. Me and my brother would spend our days in our family's dojo, kicking each other's butts and watching the different classes that were going on because it was like a martial arts center. So it was not just karate, but it was many different martial arts like Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you name it. And so from a very early age, I was exposed to a wide variety of martial arts. But the one that I started practicing myself was karate, because that's what my parents did originally. And that is why they started the dojo. But they basically had to have other people teach other martial arts to make the, make the money go around, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, which is why I started with karate and then I just kept it up, because naturally, if your parents tell you to do something, you, <laughs> you want to do it, right? Or you have to do it. And, but then, of course, I grew out of that and it became sort of my own thing. And not just something I did because my family did it. And then so me and my brother would practice, but then he went off to the more modern combat sports-based martial arts like Muay Thai, kickboxing, and now he's a UFC fighter. Mm -hmm. But I tried to stick to the roots and stay on the traditional path, even though I always strive to progress and develop myself in many different areas, right? But I always want to stick to 
what I know best, which is traditional karate, but in the modern sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with that. And see, I'm the, I'm the same. You know, I've had exposure, a variety of different systems. I've enjoyed them. I've found them useful. But but there's something about the karate that really captures my attention, and I I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is. I know I like feeling part of a um, of a tradition and and a law like something with depth. Have you ever been able to identify what it is about karate that that held your attention so much? Yeah, and this is exactly why I call myself a karate nerd, because it is not just one aspect. It is all of these different wide varieties of things that you can do and still call it karate, which to me makes it so fascinating and which truly makes it an art, because you can study the history, the language, the culture, the terminology, sports science, everything from one end to the other, and you can still improve your karate, but in so many different ways. So it is uh, an endless possibility of ways to improve yourself if you have this open-minded 360-degree view. And for the practice, too, you can do kata, kihon, kumite, kobudo, bunkai, self-defense, groundwork, whatever. It's like an endless possibility. It's like a smorgasbord, like we say here in Sweden, right? You can just pick and choose, and it's all karate, and which is also one of the reasons I don't like to limit myself to one certain aspect or style or way of doing things. And to me, that is what makes it so fun and fascinating. And a part of the tradition is to enjoy the benefit of a collective knowledge of generations of people that have come before you and you just keep building on this tree of knowledge right which makes it so cool to me at least well said yeah i agree with that so one of the things for myself i know i have a fairly short attention span so, <laughs> so, so, so this is why why karate really works for me because as you say you know one day okay i want to train one element the next day i want to train another element but but yeah. overall it all progresses together so yeah it's, i i can fully relate to um to what you're saying there so what one of the things that like i i i, I certainly know this from you your work and you, you mentioned about this idea of, like a tree you know you draw upon your roots but you, you're happy for the the tree to continue growing you know, we're not trying to preserve it as, as it is. We, we see that karate can evolve and, and, and it, it can develop. I, and and I, I th- personally, I, I think there's a more openness to that idea now. Whereas if you go back maybe 10, 15 years, 20 years, there was this idea, no, no, it, it, the, the, the traditional styles are, are fixed and, and can't alter. You know, the, 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 the perfect as they are, they, they can never change. So I just wondered, have you kind of seen that trend? Do you, do you, is that something that you've observed that people are getting more open or is that just something that I'm, I'm seeing. And no, absolutely. And I, I strongly believe it is uh, the reason for that is the internet, right? Technology. Mm. We can expose our practice instead of practicing for exposure. And this means that we have uh, this possibility of just seeing so many different ways of doing the same thing, which provides us with something we didn't have before, and that is perspective. So I like to see karate as this huge mountain, right? And there are many different paths or ways of getting to the top. But ultimately, like Bruce Lee said, there is only one moon to be seen for those (laughs) who reach the summit, right? And and so I believe that seeing karate as this mountain, sometimes you have to climb the mountain next to yours to see your own mountain better. And with the internet, with technology and social media, we have this ability without even leaving our homes. I agree. I, I can't think there's been a better time to learn the martial arts. Because, uh, again, not that long ago, you had uh, books you could maybe pick up, magazines if you were lucky, and then your instructor, and that was it. They were your only sources of information. But now you type the name of any given cutter into Google, and you can spend hours exploring all the different variations and interpretations. And, the, and that's bound to be one of the, I think, the positives of uh, the modern I mean, do you, do you see it? But, but also, this is interesting. This is also one thing that you have to think about. We have what's known as the curse of knowledge because now we have the opposite problem. We don't have too little information. We have too much. There is so much noise out there that it's hard to find the signal in the noise. And that is why I think people like you do such valuable work helping people find these, um, these hidden diamonds right in the dirt so we know what to believe. Yeah, well, and that's certainly that's that's my hope. Um, anything I come across that 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 I I like and thinks of value, then you know I'll I'll do my best to share it. And obviously, others have been kind enough to do that with me as well. And I think that that's as you say, if we can boost each other's signal that little bit, uh, yep. th- that's how you can get it. Because again, that is that is a problem. And I think again, if we like, well, I think one of the uh, trends that we see is. Uh, uh, 
critical thinking I think is needed more than ever when we look at the internet because there is so much out there and if you yep. just if you look at the first video you come across and go okay that's a definitive answer you have a problem yeah, uh, you know we we need to you know people to um, uh, think cri- critically about everything they hear and see what makes uh, makes more sense to them. Absolutely, and and I believe one of the best ways to know who to listen to is to look at their track record. Like, how long have these people been saying these things, or did they just come up with it yesterday? No, no, I think that's that's definitely true. Uh, and if if we get used to the idea of you know everything that everybody says, you know that I'm I'm going to uh, see if it holds true for me. I mean, because occasionally you may get the guy who said you know didn't have a presence yesterday it says something today and he might be bang on the money but but i think right. if, if we all, always you know let's say a critical about and, and as you say you know if, if people have got a, a a good track record of coming up with consistent information then it, it, yep. that's an indicator that maybe what they're saying at this point is, cons- is consistent as well but yeah, yeah i mean the wonderful thing is that the internet can't, can't have been a better time to learn martial arts i think if we can as you say uh, apply that critical thinking and then zero in on the, yep. the good material Absolutely. So, what what other trends do you see at the, at the moment? Do you, you, I mean, this is where I think this is one of the things that, uh, as you've just said, that makes you unique. Really, is that you you do have a, a following across the piece. Um, I, I think all karateka of all stripes see value in in what you do, and that's that's a pretty remarkable achievement. Because you know, you get some guys who are very sport focused or self defense focused or focused on the art, whereas um, your passion for all of it definitely shows through. And then, so I think you're probably in a unique position to see the big picture, uh, really. Um, so, yeah. so, so do, what what kind of as karate is at the moment? What kind of positive negative trends are you, are you seeing on your travels and when you communicate with people? Yeah, well, that's a big question. You know, there's the macro and then there's the micro. And I believe that many people like to divide karate, like you said, into the sports side and then into the traditional side. And for many years, people thought that these were different things. But I believe that a lot more people are starting to bridge the gap, like you say. And uh, for someone like me, who's been in the national team for many years in two different countries, and then also been traveling and even living in Okinawa, which is the birthplace of karate. It is so interesting to see this trend that is not about old and new. I think it's about good and bad. Mm-hmm. And if you understand the human body and its biomechanics, then you can apply that to any type of karate. Because if we go back to this idea of karate being a mountain, right, the higher you climb on the mountain, the closer all of these paths get to each other. And ultimately, it's all the same at the highest level. But if you're at the bottom of the mountain, then all of the different paths to the top, they look like they're very far away from each other. Mm -hmm. So if you're just starting out, everything looks very different. But the more you practice, the more you see, the more you expose yourself, the more you start realizing that we're all just doing the same thing, but in our own ways, right? And so there are many ways, for example, to get to the number 10. You can take 5 plus 5. You can take seven plus three. Mm. You can take nine plus one. Different ways of getting to the number 10, but is one more right than the other? I don't think so. Mm. And this is something that I believe more and more people are starting to discover. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Because I, I think all those elements can be trained, and they can all be trained effectively. And as you say, they've got a crossover. It's just always just being mindful of what's the ultimate objective here? What am I, I, uh, am I wishing to, uh, to train for? And I don't think, again, I don't think it's healthy to cut yourself off from, from any element of it, which, again, I'm yeah. starting to see less of that. For, 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 for me, in, in the circles that I, because I came from that, um, like the BCA and that heavy self-defense focus background if you like one of the things yeah. that you did see is uh, and not from the leaders of that again if you think of your Jeff Thompson's and your Peter Constance they were never like this but for, no. for, for, for people that came after that you'd have this idea that um, oh you know anything that would work in the street uh, is fantastic and anything that like we, we may do for the art of it or the history of it or the sport of it or to outfight another martial art or just for the fun of it would instantly yeah. get rejected and, and I, I yeah. think you're a poorer martial artist and you have a poorer karate experience as a result of that you see so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased that you're you're seeing that seems to um, uh, be waning a little bit because I see that too. So it's always nice to to have that um, confirmed. And what, anything else that you, you're noticing, or is, would that be the, the key thing, really? No. Another trend that I see is that people are more interested in going back to the roots, in understanding why we're practicing what we're practicing. Right? Mm. They want to not just do the punches and kick, but they want to know the reason for those exact punches and kicks then and there. And, of course, we're all connected by our roots. And so what I mean by roots is the self-defense aspect 
especially the type of karate they practice in Okinawa, which is one of the reasons that I love going back there all the time. And I believe a key ingredient in this trend is MMA. Because yeah. suddenly people wanted to know if karate would work in the cage, right? Because they saw that the sports-based version of karate was not really effective maybe in a fight against a trained opponent who could do takedowns and chokes and all of these things that sports karate doesn't really include because it's too dangerous, right? And so this led a lot of eyes back to Okinawa. People started looking at the original way karate was practiced. Even though it is not rule-bound like MMA is, it still has a lot of value for people who want to make their karate more all-round with mm -hmm. the kata bunkai especially like we have these throws and chokes and takedowns and joint locks right there in the kata and they were here all along we just didn't know it until mma showed it and which is why i think this is also a trend that is now coming back that people want to go full circle they want to go back to the roots to okinawa to kata bunkai yeah, no, I think that's that definitely true. And obviously, in the, the circles I move in, that's definitely the case. And I, I agree, I think we do, do owe MMA a, a debt of gratitude for that. Because, it, it, yeah. you know, it's empirical and it shows the value of an holistic approach. And then um, it, the, the message, it's a lot easier to get that message out that maybe there's more to this karate than, than we, we would first uh, think, or at least some would first think as well. So, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that one. Uh, one thing that I know we've, uh, that we do have in common, we're saying about this idea of, you know, many paths up the mountain and, and, and keeping this open view. So uh, you read a, a superb article on your website on uh, giving up your style. And, and, <laughs> and you argued that, you know, others should do that. And uh, I, I wrote a piece for one of the uh, UK magazines uh, called um, Styles Are They Killing Karate? You see, so w w again, I think this is something we have in common. So I, I would just, would you mind talking about that a little bit? What you see as the styles and the, the, the benefits and the pitfalls? Yeah, so I believe this goes back to the principle of shuhari, the natural progression or mastery of anything, not just karate. And this is, this is a, a Japanese philosophy that I believe is very important when you want to get better at karate because we all need a starting place. We all need something to attach to. And in karate, that is a style. A style is a way or a method of trying to learn the fundamental principles of karate. But the principles are the same across all styles. It's just the expression or the manifestation of them that are different. Like in what end do you want to start? What priorities do you have in your style? These are the different things, right? And it is equally important, I believe, to let go of your style once you reach a certain point in your journey as a karate practitioner, right? Because a ship is safe in the harbor, but it was not meant to be there. It needs to sail, right? So once you've started on your path, what's known as shu, the beginning, right? You go to ha and then ri, if you want to follow this traditional idea of progression, right? So you transcend your style and you start looking outside of your own worldview, basically. Somebody who only does one style is like a person who is in the same city that they were born in or their own village or their own town their whole lives and never go outside. They never see anything else. So to them, that's their whole world, right? But they're, they're missing so many cool things that might even suit them better if they just had that courage to just look outside of their own style, I believe. No, I, I, I totally agree. So, so uh, it, it, one of the problems, I'm, I always say I'm a martial artist first, a karateka second, and I have no idea what style I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, 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 I take it, you know, th these days, would, would, do you attach to any styles at all, or do you just see yourself as a, a karateka now, or...? So, so obviously I started with a style like we all did, but at that time I didn't even know there were styles. It was just <laughs> karate, right? It was just, I'm doing karate, look at me, right? Mm. Then I start researching, I start traveling, I start talking to other people. I discovered there are several ways of doing the same thing. Of course, I'm fascinated. I have never been held back by anyone, and I've always been encouraged to look outside of my own dojo, bring back knowledge, and improve our own students. It's just a a natural way of improving my dojo to just travel and gain more knowledge. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Some people think that a style is like a religion, like there's only one right way and this is the only way to do it. And they defend their own way of doing it. But, but I think that it's important to look outside of that box of your own style 
But still, it is important to start with a style because you need some type of starting point. Yeah, no, that, that, that's true, I think. We can't have a free-for-all from day one. You know, no, exactly. I, I, I was, like, when uh, beginners come into my dojo, you know, if they, if they suddenly started saying, oh, well, I'd like to do it this way, well, I don't care what way you'd like to do it, you're going to do it this way. But at, yeah, a, exactly. at, at a certain point, of course, they have enough experience to make informed decisions, and, and uh, it always worries me. Like you said about the shoe Hari model, I think sometimes in traditional karate, it's shoe, shoe, and more shoe. You know, it's like... Right, yeah. They never yeah. diverge and never transcend. So, so I mean, obviously, I, you've, you say that you've, you've seen uh, benefits from, from, from stepping out your own style. What would you say some of the key benefits you've found uh, from that and that maybe people are missing out of if they just stay stuck to one, one particular way of doing things? Yeah, well, to be honest, one of the hardest and the most common question that I get is, what style do you practice? <laughs> I get that all the time, and I never answer it because, let me be honest here, I don't even know what style I practice. <laughs> Listen, I start with one style, but but that was when I was like three years old when I started practicing. After that, I ju- I've been practicing with so many different coaches, experts, instructors, yeah. grandmasters, you name it, from all across the world because that's all I do, right? I travel, I practice, I teach, I learn. And these days, I don't even know what style I practice. So you tell me what practice. <laughs> Because honestly, it is so hard to say, and which is why I just say that I practice karate because I don't like the idea of limiting who I can practice with, when and where. I am simply too, you know, I'm too artistic to to just stick to one thing. I have to explore all of the options. Maybe because I'm young and reckless, or maybe because that's just, you know, the way I grew up. I don't know, but... I love the idea of being able to practice with anyone, anywhere, at any time and just enjoy the shared experience of improving ourselves through the path of karate, no matter what style or what label it's on. Yeah, the, amen. Yeah, no, I agree. As someone who's middle-aged and reckless, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can relate to that fully. Yeah. But, but a little, like you, I never had that from my teachers. My main, my, instructor would get other instructors in from other styles all the time have a look at this yep. what do you think of that you know so we, we were always encouraged to have that open-minded view but but I, as i travel i find that some aren't so lucky and do get this no 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 the the world ends at the, the four walls of the dojo <laughs> don't leave because nothing good it's funny as well everyone always starts learning in the only dojo in the entire world that's doing right what are the odds you know what i mean so, right exactly <laughs> but you know i i think it all comes down to The instructor having an ego problem, and they're too insecure about their own teachings, perhaps. I'm I'm just speculating here. And so they don't want people to go away and perhaps find something that is better, and then maybe they won't come back, and I can't pay the bills, and I don't have food on the table, and my dojo is going to burn to the ground, right? That's what they think. But I believe if one of my students goes somewhere else and practices another style of karate that suits them better, then I hope they stay there because that's better for both of us. They get what they need, and I get room for another student who might enjoy what I teach instead. Yeah, no, that's a very healthy way of looking at it. You know, I would, I would, would it's agree. It's a win-win. Yeah, no, that, that's it. And we, we, none of us can be all things to all men. I, I, I have that with my own dojo. I, I, I know the kind of karate I teach, and I know the kind of people it appeals to. And if it doesn't, then you know we've, we've got to find. Um, if it doesn't appeal yep. to them, then hopefully we can find somewhere that's that's good for them as well. Right. Yeah. And you're confident in what you're doing. You don't have this sparsity mindset. There is enough students for everybody. Oh yeah, that's it. There's seven billion of them out there potentially. <laughs> right. Yeah, more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. You yeah, know, that that's that's good. So, uh, one other thing that I, I would I would uh, like to um, get your thoughts on. We, we've talked a little bit about uh, the internet, and obviously that helps people. I think in terms of uh, looking at the options, it, it helps people seeing what's out there, looking beyond the, the core of the style, and 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 I'd love how. Um, prolific you are on 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 social media you know this with with the website and your, your videos and, and and everything and uh, it's something obviously that that i aspire to use as well to, to use that tool uh to get the the message out there you know so i just wondered if you've got any thoughts about how uh, social media can help people and maybe things that people if they've got something useful to say some tips for them yeah I believe it is very important to take social media seriously. It is not just something that the kids do. It is not hype. It is not something that's going to disappear tomorrow. It is the current state of the Internet as a whole. People spend so much time on social media. 
And there is a reason we call today's economy the attention economy. Because money flows where attention goes. Everybody needs to be on social media if you have something that you want people to know about. And there is this great quote that the most important thing in the world is to do the right thing. But the second most important is to let everybody know that you're doing the right thing. Which is why I'm all over social media. I can't get enough of it. But I do it. And I take it very seriously. It is not fun, to be honest, at all times. It is like a job. It, it is work. And you got to put in that work ethic that you have in the dojo. One more rep, one more post on social media. And that is the, the quantity, right? But there's also the quality. Don't just put out anything that's on your mind. Like, think about it. Be serious. Be professional. And post what's on your mind and be authentic about it. Not just posting for the sake of it, but like see it as a long-term strategy and not just a random cat pick every other day, but have some type of some idea of what you want to achieve. But use social media for that because that is where the attention is these days. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think I can relate to that as well because um, as much as I enjoy interacting with people via social media, it, it is hard work to keep yeah. you know getting that, that that content out there. And I think sometimes I mean I've heard it said of both you you and me, you know, sometimes people are critical of our use of of, of social media. But as you say, it's the only way you're going to get that that message out there. And it's and not- listen, I, I think people who are critical, and of sure, sure, you can be critical, you can criticize, and I hope that criticism is constructive right but there are also these people who are just trolling they're just hating maybe they're jealous i don't know i like to call them losers instead of haters <laughs> because most of them are let's be honest a winning mindset is not going around criticizing people there are two ways of building the greatest building in town either you build it or you tear down everyone else's building right <laughs> which one is a winning mindset i don't know I think it is the one where you focus on your own stuff and try to build the tallest building. Right? Yeah. And this is one of the big problems with social media. And unfortunately, I see a lot of great karate experts and masters who get their heart broken. They can't share their knowledge online, even though they have a lot of great knowledge, because these haters and these trolls and spammers just break them down they can't stand the criticism you gotta have thick skin if yeah. you want to yeah. social yeah. media game you know this yeah. you should see the list of people i have banned and deleted from my different platforms online that is like my my favorite hobby next to karate <laughs> and if you can't handle that criticism from random douchebags from around the world then maybe you're not ready for social media maybe you need to deploy some more humility and just let go, ban them, and move on with your day. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's it. I mean, there's, I'm always up for debate and discussion because I think that's healthy. You know, so someone who goes, you know, I've got an alternative view to you, and I want to thrash it out, and that, that, that I'm always on board for that. I think it's good. Yes. But when it becomes okay, no, I, I just want to have an argument with somebody on the internet from very dogmatic, entrenched positions. I, I, I'm like you. I've got b- better things to do with my time. But that's it. But that I've came across people with that as well. Was um, as you say, they put their head above the parapet. They share some information. They get. This, yeah. this negative criticism and it can sometimes be um, off-putting to them you know just, but but again that is exactly as you say it's just that that's the nature of the beast you say and, yeah, and like for example one one example is this i won't mention the name but he's a, a great karate sensei he's a, a world champion and he's also a doctor a real freaking doctor in biomechanics and sports science he decides to share a little bit of knowledge about if you should rotate on your heel or the ball of your foot when you do karate techniques. He explains the scientific principles behind it, the biomechanics, why it works, and then people start criticizing it because that's not how my sensei does it. But dude, this guy is a doctor in biomechanics. He knows how the human body works way better than your random ass sensei does. Mm. And so he can't take the criticism. He stops sharing his knowledge. And I try to get this sensei to share more stuff because i think it's so awesome but he he's just like who are these people how can they criticize me this is not how it works in academia which is what he's used to right and i see this across the board 
which is why I consider it something of my duty to travel around, find these hidden awesome senseis, and share their knowledge with the world through me. I can be the filter. It's Karate by Jesse. That's why my website has my name, because it is not the truth of karate. It is filtered through my experiences and travel, traveling around the world, meeting these different masters, and sharing their info with you. Yeah, you do, and you do a brilliant job of that, I think. And, and I, the, the point that I wanted to, again, also pull out was this idea of uh, the, the amount of the work ethic involved. So I had one guy recently who wrote to me, he said... Um, uh, I, I want to do what you do. I, I think I've got some interesting things to say, and I've set up this blog, and for whatever reason, it's just not getting the traction, and would you mind taking a look at it for me and see if you can see if anything I can improve? So I take a look, and it's, I think, oh, I, th I think you must have sent me an old link. I can only see two articles. He goes, no, that's all I've done so far. So, so I went, well, well, okay, come back to me in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and if it's still not working for you, then we can chat about it then, you know. So it's, um, yeah. Exactly, and, and I get, you know, I, I'm sure you get a lot of these two people who start a blog or some type of uh, podcast or, or whatever they start they do one or two posts like you say and then they reach out and say hey can I interview you or can you write an, a guest article for me I check out their stuff and like you say they haven't even put in two or three hours into this project and just expect it to be an overnight success yeah, yeah. but I'm sure you know this you need a lot of work to become an overnight success I started blogging 10 years ago. Nobody read my stuff in the beginning. But here's the secret. I didn't write for anyone else. I wrote because I enjoyed writing. It was just scratching my own itch. I wanted to share and document my experiences of being in Okinawa. I just wanted to put my thoughts down on paper because that was a, a way for me to be creative and ex express what I feel and think and see, right? And I believe that all great work starts by scratching your own itch. You want to do something, so you just start doing it, and then you start loving it, and then it becomes better automatically, and then people find it because you had that passion to begin with. Yeah. I, I, you got to fill your own cup before you start pouring into other people's cups. And that is what keeps me motivated because, let me be honest here, I do most of what I do for ego-based reasons. I just love it too much to not do it. And I'm pretty sure it's the same with you. It's great if other people love it too, but at the end of the day, if you didn't like it, you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, the, the, I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, originally started writing, you know, the books and the, uh, the, the magazine articles and things. And, and that was just again, because, you know, I, I enjoyed the process of, of writing. And then yeah. that was, I think my first book was 17 years ago now, 18 years ago. Yeah. And, and then obviously as the years go by, that time builds up. So I think that's something, you know, we could both agree on for, um, if people want to get the word out there, then they can't expect that to happen overnight. They've got to grind away. It will get there. But they've got to keep grinding away at it, and and you say that, that passion as well. I think that's important too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that that's one thing that I I, I do find that uh, your stuff quite infectious on that regard. Because um, the material's great, but it's never dry. It's always very energetic. It's very in humorous, and you you, you display um, a lot of uh, enthusiasm in what you do. So so so. What do you do? Is it, does it just come natural to you, or how do you keep your, your motivation so high for, for all that you do? I honestly believe life is too short to be boring. That, that's just the way it is. I hate a boring... For example, the worst thing I know is a boring salad. If I go <laughs> to a restaurant and I order a boring salad, I just want to go home and, and jump into <laughs> bed and hide under the covers, right? I just... I, I just don't like when people don't express their humanity. Like they, they just want to be like everybody else and fit in and, and, and not be the nail that sticks out, right? Mm -hmm. But I believe that's not what you were born for. You were not born to stand in, but to stand, to, not, not to fit in, but to stand out. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, today, I believe a lot of people, especially the ones in karate who follow the traditional path, believe that the most important thing in tradition is to do exactly what the previous generation did, right? They want to preserve the ashes instead of keeping the flame lit. Mm. But there is this great old quote, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, that the whole idea is not to follow in the footsteps of the old masters, but to seek what they saw, yeah, right? Yeah. From this famous Japanese poet, Matsuo Basho. 
And I believe this principle is what I apply in everything I do, not just karate, but outside of karate too, because life's just too short and I don't have time for repeating the same old stuff. I want to innovate and grow and expand and break through my limits and see how far I can get in this short time span we have on this earth. Basically, that's it. I'm motivated by the fact that I will not be here one day. I will be dead one day. And what difference did I make if I just try to be like everybody else? Yeah, that's a lovely way of putting it. I, I, I think it was it Newton. I think Isaac Newton used to have a, a skull on his desk to remind him of the same thing. You know, the yep. time, time is short. So I, well, I remember reading this and thinking that was great. So as, as I'm sitting here talking, I'm in my office. And there's a statue of a grim reaper. <laughs> more, more of that stuff people are afraid of death they don't want to think about it but for me it motivates me yeah it makes me want to go and get it because i know that it's not unlimited this opportunity of being here and and so basically this is the latin uh, idea of memento mori right have you heard about this phrase before that that's not what i'm familiar with no please please go on yeah. it so it basically means that you are a mortal you're not immortal and I think it was like, um, was it uh, so, some Greek or Roman emperor? He had this slave following him around, whispering in his ear that you are not immortal. Mm. Just so that he could have perspective and not uh, get, you know, uh, so, so he wouldn't lose perspective, basically, of not feeling that he was above the people, right? He was one of the people and he was going to die like everybody else. And he could not waste time on stupid stuff like answering to trolls and haters on social media. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we, we do it with a short amount of time. So it's, it's, it's find something that you love and then do it lots, you know. So, yeah, and, and, exactly. and that definitely comes across for the way that you, you do your, uh, well, everything. You know, and this is what I think. I, I always am impressed by your work. So one thing that you've done as well is you've got the, um, uh, the, the Seishin uh, line of stuff, starting with the, the gi. So right. the, they're the gis I use. And I, so I'll be honest and say, I hate normally... When me, when I train with my friends and a couple of my uh, instructors as well, we, we normally just train in, in regular clothing because none of us are particularly great fans of geese. I think uh, they can be functional, but they can often be uncomfortable. But you've created something there that is, is, is genuinely functional and, and is, is, is comfortable to wear and doesn't restrict movement. And you know, So how did you have the, the idea for that? What made you decide that you wanted to create um, a unique form of gi? Well, I have this uh, idea or this philosophy, let's call it, this philosophy that if I'm looking for something outside in the world and I can't find it, then I try to create it on my own. So this is the reason I started my blog. I was looking for cool karate blogs. I couldn't find any, so I started my own. It's the same reason why I wrote my first book. And it's also the same reason I do my karate nerd experience seminars, right? If I'm searching for something and I can't find it, I try to create it on my own. And the exact same principle was behind the Seishin karate uniform. So one day I was sitting outside of my dojo with my friend Marcus, who's a student. He's a back belt at my dojo. And he has a little bit of business background. And we started talking and I started complaining about my karate uniform because I'm something of a perfectionist, right? I've never found the perfect karate gi that fit me. Uh, I, I always felt like a freak. It was too big. It was too light, too skinny, too whatever, right? And so we started talking, and I said, hmm, I wonder if it's possible to make a better karate gi. And my friend Marcus said, you know what? Let's try. I know a little bit about business, and I don't know anything. So so it was a perfect match. Mm. So we, we started um, researching and developing, and at that time, uh, crowdfunding and crowdsourcing was this big thing, right? Instead of trying to do something by yourself, you try to connect a lot of people from around the world to help you do this project or thing. And so we crowdfunded the whole thing and we crowdsourced it to know exactly what this perfect gi should consist of, right? It should look like a heavyweight gi, but it should feel like a lightweight gi. It should be easy to iron. It should be affordable, yada, yada, yada. You know, the list goes on of what people wanted to see in a perfect gi. So we tried to put together a gi that consisted of as many of these points as possible. And the result was the Seishin gi. But of course, it is very expensive to develop physical products, right? It's not like a digital product, which is basically free. So we had to crowdfund it. And 
a few hundred people from around the world just decided, decided to trust us to make this thing for them. They paid us up front, which meant that we could kickstart the production of the Seishingi. And now it is a worldwide phenomenon. There are multiple products. I have distributors all around the world, different countries. And in fact, this is something that a lot of people don't know because it was revealed today. We just opened our first physical flagship store in Okinawa. The oh, birth wow. <laughs> yep. Which is so cool. Yeah, that's, 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 that's awesome. I, I, mean, I, I see them a lot. And there are some things that you do that, that I've never seen. Like, like we, I, was, uh, I was teaching in Germany the, the weekend just gone and we were getting changed. And like the high uh, waist on the trousers. It's yeah. something that's totally unique, and, and like, and it was one of those things. The first time I put those on, I was like, "Why hasn't anyone thought to do this before?" You know, this is right, actually, right. this is actually comfortable to wear. And then the uh, uh, the pocket on the inside of the uh, the gear. Right. Again, that's where I keep my, my iPhone when I shoot my video. Yeah, that's what, that's, well, that's it. That's it. See, I, I thought it would. I call it the gum shield pocket, but I use the stopwatch. Yeah. That's where the stopwatch where I'm teaching for when we're doing drills. Yeah. That's where it goes. So yeah, no, really good. And, and, and one of the um, I, see, I've heard some people try and make a virtue out of the fact that geese are uncomfortable. You know, so they go, oh, it's uncomfortable. It makes the training harder. Well, to me, that doesn't because it's an impediment to hard training. I don't want right. something that restricts my movement to the point where I. I want free movement so I can be as dynamic as I can, I'll be as fast as I can, and I can expend as much energy as I can. And, and, and if this thing is sticking to me and reducing that movement, I, I, it becomes an impediment to my karate, you see. So right. I, I see no virtue in being uncomfortable when you're training, you see. So, um, well, yeah, no, I think you've, um, you've, you've done a good, uh, a, good, a good job on that front, you know. So, and I'm, I'm obviously you. pleased it's going well because I see them everywhere that, uh, that I happen to go. So what, right, thank you very much. Oh no, you you well, welcome. That it's 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 a good uh, it's a, it's a good bit of kit. So uh, what what other projects have you got on the go at the minute then? So I see you're doing a lot on um, YouTube. Obviously the blog is still going strong. Is there is there anything um, that we should know about or that's on the horizon? You know what? I'm pretty strange. I don't plan that far ahead to be honest. I I I plan maybe one or two months ahead what I would like to do. I have ideas of of what I would like to do or, or try. But I don't have any concrete plans because I like to go with the flow and see what opportunities pop up. Mm. Uh, so I, I try to adapt to, to the situation at all times. But, of course, since karate is in the Olympics, which is in 2020, at the moment I have to compete in a lot of specific tournaments to rank because maybe if I'm lucky and if I'm skillful, I might be able to compete in the Olympics uh, for my national team, right? So, which means I have to uh, gather these points, these ranking points. And, and so I'm going to be traveling a lot these uh, upcoming months, specifically for competition, not so much for, for seminars or other crazy projects. But then after that, I, uh, I will be giving a keynote in the U.S. at the Empower Summit on the East Coast uh, about how to combine business with martial arts. And I'm really looking forward to that because... I honestly have never shared a lot about how how I managed to have this type of lifestyle business that me and you have, right? Being full-time karate instructors, doing our, our thing. And I'm going to be there sharing that, sharing my secrets with people because uh, I don't do martial arts to make money. I make money to do martial arts. And I believe it's a big difference, right? And that's what I want to share, how I managed to do that. And then I'm actually planning on going back to Okinawa and shooting season two of my mini web, is, web series called Karate Nerd in Okinawa. <laughs> so that's basically what I have planned for these upcoming months. Um, so, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, no, they're all very exciting progress. I, I wish you well with the uh, the Olympic recognition. That's real cool. I'm sure everyone listening to this will wish you well for that as well. And, and the, the, the business thing sounds very interesting. I, 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 if we can just expand that a little as well. I obviously don't want you to talk about what you'll be talking about at the event, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think that that is a, um, a a key difference because, like, I, again, you know, we talking before about you know criticisms. That, that's one that I'll sometimes get is I'll say, well, yeah, but he's a full time 
instructor and, and and therefore that invalidates anything I've got to say, you know, because I, I, I do it for a living. And it always makes me laugh because it's not like I sat down one day and thought, oh, okay, how am I going to get me some of those bunkai billions? How am I going to, you know, <laughs> you know, you know and, and then decide I would take up karate in order to do that. Just like you, as you say, it was, it was my passion. It was, I really enjoyed it. It got to the point where it was work is getting in the way now. I need to find a way to make this uh, peer yeah. so I can provide for the family and provide a service that I hope enough people find valuable, you know. So, right, um, right. Yeah, because that, that's an interesting one how people sometimes, as soon as money and the martial arts combine, um, I see to me there's no virtue in being the best martial arts instructor you are if you're not serving anybody because you can't put the lights on and nobody knows where you are. And, <laughs> you know, you've got three students. If you're able to spend the money on the advertising and generate that stuff, I always think it's good for karate as a whole as well. So that's, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's spot on. I, I totally agree. And I mean, if you want to make money and you start teaching the martial arts, then you're probably a little bit stupid because there's a clear path to the money. It's called Wall Street, right? <laughs> you don't want to go to martial arts to make money. If it's your passion, you will probably make money as a byproduct because when you do something that you love a lot, you tend to become good at it. And when you're good at something, other people want to pay you to become good as well which is a, just a natural progression of doing what you love for the sake of, of, of you know, following your passion, following your bliss, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, no, I like that. That's uh, Joseph Campbell's line, but yeah, follow your bliss, right. yeah. Exactly. So, is, um, I, I'm conscious of the, of, of the time that I've, uh, we've got you for. Is there any other uh, areas you'd like to discuss or anything you'd like to tell people about? If... Wow, no, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty open to, to anything that you're, I, I'm just here to basically provide as much value as possible to everybody listening right now. So there is nothing I really want to promote or, or, or talk about or sell because, let me be honest, I don't really like talking about myself. And I know that might sound strange to people because I do a lot of videos and I'm out there and I promote and market and do stuff. But I do that because I want to share and help other people with their problems. And I don't have that much to share unless anyone has anything they need help with, basically. So yep. if you have any more questions about anything that you think your audience might uh, benefit from then I'm 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 here, man. No, absolutely. Well, I've I've got a couple. Yeah. So 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 what one is just 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 on that? I, I, any any kind of uh, uh, key bits of advice you've got for people to make the training as as productive as as, as possible? Some things that you found useful, or maybe that you would have uh, liked to have known when you were starting out. Wow. Well, this might be very specific to me, but I believe something that I would have liked to know earlier is the importance of not just tension, but relaxation. And I thought it was all about tension in the beginning. I need to go harder, faster, stronger. And it came to a point where I was just being too tense all the time, and I went really tired at training. And, and I, I thought that was the way it was supposed to be, right? Until I sort of discovered after training a lot that maybe – if I put as much effort in relaxing at the right moments as I do intensing at the right moments, I can have a better balance and I can have more effortless and economic and efficient techniques. And so that is one practical piece of advice that I would like everybody to think more about. Consciously relaxing. Not just being relaxed whenever you feel like relaxing, but strive to make an effort to be more relaxed and be mindful of when and where you relax in your technique, in any training you do. Because we hold a lot of unnecessary tension in our bodies that I believe is not a good thing if you want to have quick, fast, snappy, and powerful techniques. Uh, because I see a lot of people get super tired in training and they think something's wrong with my cardio, when in fact, you're just being too tense, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a brilliant bit of advice. I can relate to that completely. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, I have, I've done that. Because I felt the more the muscles were working, the harder I was working, the better the training was. You know, that, that, that was the mindset when I was much younger. So I, I would kind of say I would hold all this excessive tension within my body. And I would get yep. told off for it, you know, relax more, relax more. But in my mind, what, what I heard was don't try as hard, don't try as hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's, it's not, it's not, not the same it. thing, you see. You know, that's it, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the goal should not be to get tired. The goal should be to improve. Yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. And, and I think as well when you, you, your movement becomes more efficient, 
Um, then obviously the training becomes more efficient as well. You know, you can get a yep. lot more done in the, in the time. So that's a brilliant piece of advice, one that I can I can strongly relate to. So do you make use of, of supplementary training as well? And in, in addition to the karate, what other things that do you do that you found uh, that are beneficial to your karate? You know, like... Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I think it is a great idea to combine traditional karate with modern sports-based karate. Because if it's something that karate athletes do better than most traditionalists, it is the part about strength and conditioning. Using sports science to optimize your conditioning and your power and your speed. And there are so many different tools and ways and training methods that the old masters had no idea about that we have access to today. So uh, I do a lot of strength and conditioning for this reason. Of course, the old masters did it too. We have these old hojo undo, right, in Japanese, right, this strength training equipment. But there are modern, updated uh, versions of these tools. For example, the kettlebell is a, a great tool to use. And uh, I, I like to do a lot of strength and conditioning uh, which is my main form of uh, supplementary training at the, at this stage. Yeah, and what does that typically involve? Is that weightlifting, plyometrics, suspension training? Do you do? What? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, what I do is another thing that is very common in sports science is this concept of periodization, right? So you don't always train the same way. It depends on where you are in your planning relative to a goal that you have. So if I'm gonna be competing, let's say at the uh, Premier League in two months, then my training will look a certain way, right? Maybe I'll do more uh, heavy resistance-based power training like deadlifts and full-body compound exercises. But then as I get closer to the tournament, the volume of training decreases, but the intensity increases, but also the recovery, which is a key ingredient, increases too. And then I will do more uh, fast, quick agility work, like you said, plyometrics using the agility ladder, different types of jumps and skips and hops and all of that explosive stuff, which is common across all sports, not just karate-based. If you want to improve the human body, I mean, you don't have to be specific to karate, but of course, the closer you get to a goal, you should move from general training to more specific training. But just thinking about this idea of uh, strength and conditioning from a sports science-based perspective overall is something that I believe a lot of people should take into consideration. You don't have to be a national team elite athlete. You can benefit from these ideas just by getting a personal trainer at your closest gym and learning the basics, and then you can do it on your own. Yeah, that's great advice. And as you say, that's one positive, obviously, that the, the combat athletes have given as well, you see, because obviously they're the, the, the cutting edge of that stuff generally, as you say. So, um, yeah, so, so at, at the moment, uh, you're saying you, you periodize your training based on what your specific goals are. So yeah. at, the, at the moment, one of your specific goals that you mentioned was you, you're looking to um, uh, for the uh, Olympics. That, that That's your goal as well. So I, I guess, you know, is, is that katakumite? What, what, what are we talking about in that regard what yes. so i mean obviously when i practice karate i do all of it kata kihon kumite kobudo the weapons the bunkai the groundwork you name it yeah but when you compete of course you have to pick either it's kata or it's kumite right under these certain conditions and rules and it turns out um maybe not fast enough to be at an elite level of kumite but i'm powerful enough to be at a high level in kata which is why I was selected first for the national team in Sweden, where I live, in Kata many years ago. But since my parents are from Finland, I have double citizenship. So now I'm, I'm selected for the Finnish national team instead. But it's in Kata, that's correct. Yeah, and, and so what, what, that, that would, I'd be interested in getting any tips for, um, uh, for students for improving their Kata, for breaking it down, ways in which they could get into the details of, and help get their Kata to a higher level. Do you have any uh, key tips you think that people would find useful? Yeah, well, it's hard to say because I believe it is highly individual. Like, I could say, relax more, but maybe for one person, the opposite is true. They should actually be stronger and have more tension in their moves, right? So I, I try to avoid giving general piece, pieces of advice like this, but let me share a, a good training method with you. That's called the 3-2-1 method. So you have a kata, any kata that you want to improve. Of course, we all know that we need to repeat it a lot, but it might be boring or difficult if we just keep doing the same kata over and over again. So, break it down first into three sections. The first part, the middle part, 
and the last part. And then you only do each third, but three times, gradually increasing the intensity each time. And then you do two parts of the kata, the first half and the second half. You do each part two times, gradually increasing the intensity. And finally, you do the whole kata one time, full speed, three, two, one method. Yeah. That's brilliant. That, yeah, that was the kind of thing I thought. I, I um, was always a fan on, like say, breaking it down into sections. And rather than just doing the whole kata all the way through, I think if you work individual sections, it's a little bit more enjoyable. You can be a little bit more uh, analytical of your own movement. And as you Absolutely. say, it makes it fun. You get the repetitions in then, you know. So Yeah, yeah, because you need those repetitions to make it a part of your so-called muscle memory, right? But you, you don't want to repeat so it becomes boring because then your performance, you know, goes down. You want to keep a high-quality level over uh, quantity. So by breaking it down like this, you can have some more excitement in your training and focus on those individual parts and s- small stuff that you often miss if you just do the whole kata all the time. Yeah, that's, that's a br- brilliant, brilliant piece of advice. So I, I, think, I think, to be honest, uh, to be honest, I think it's also very important, and this might be contrary to popular belief, that you need to understand the bunkai, the meaning behind the moves, in order to make them look good as well. Not just functioning, but, you know, the, fu- the form and the function, that whole dichotomy. Because if somebody does a kata and they don't know the purpose of the techniques, then you can tell. But somebody who has an absolute understanding of how these moves could be used for self-defense will have a way different spirit, even in the solo performance of the kata, as compared to somebody who just does it like a dance. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. I I think sometimes it it can look um, athletic, but empty, hollow, shallow, you know, whereas if if people have a better idea of what they're doing, it has a visceral quality to it. It can be actually physically scary to watch someone who does a cutter like that you know when you can absolutely see, yeah you can see that function and that that deep and it's one of the things i always find fascinating about cutter is, is you get a real yin yang colliding there you've got yeah. you've got this the, the high art of beautiful movement and physical efficiency and and so on the one hand it's very beautiful yeah. and then within it are things where it's not high art it's it's gritty it's dirty it's horrible it's destructive it's brutal so i, I think that that the kind of the balance of the force if you like between high-end art and beautiful physical movement yeah. within it this destruction and this chaos and with, with, yeah. within it i think is one of the things that i think um Makes Katna so beautiful. It's in the same way that a thunderstorm can be beautiful or a tidal wave can be beautiful, you know, or a chaotic ocean. It's that kind of thing. Right. There's, a, there's a force to it. So, yeah, and no, I can, I can I, relate I, to I that. Love it. I love it. I totally agree. It's a beautiful struggle. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right. So we're coming up on an hour, so it's probably time to... Um, oh, wow. Wrap, wrap it. I know it flies in, doesn't it? But I think <laughs> that's... Uh, but, well, if, if you're up for it, we'll definitely have to get you uh, back on, and we'll maybe take some uh, listeners' questions next time as well. Yeah. We can, uh, I think that, w- that would be fun for them as well. But I just before we wrap up, I just uh, I can remember vividly the first article of yours that I ever read. Uh, so I just would... Do you remember the one you did on how Pinan Sandan was really for you? using an AK-47. (laughs) 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 So so, uh, that that might confuse me, but a a friend of mine said, he goes, you've got to read this. He sent me the link and I read it. I thought, this man's a genius. So I had no no idea who you were. I'd never seen it. But but, but the bit at the end when you're throwing the grenades over your shoulder, I was in stitches. I thought, this is is so good. Because I I, I get the satire of it and the point that you were trying to make, but the, the, uh, the comedy of it and then the photographs with the ninjas is brilliant. So if anyone hasn't, if anyone hasn't seen that, that was my first um, karate nerd experience. If you like, that was my first. So if they haven't seen that article, they need to check it out. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Th- yeah, no, brilliant, very well done. So thank you so much for your time, Jesse. I really do appreciate this. And I think the listeners will get a lot out of it as well. So so thank you very much. It was much. my absolute pleasure, Sensei, and I'm so happy that we could finally do this and have a little chat together. And uh, I hope that the listeners really enjoyed it. Oh, by the way, before I forget. Since we spoke about the Seishin Gi before, I have uh, a great discount that all of the listeners can use right now if they go to seishin-international.com. This discount code is Okinawa. Just enter Okinawa at checkout and you get 15% off. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that's very kind of you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I hope that helps people. 
Yeah, no, very good. Thank, thank, thank you very much for that. Uh, I'll put that in the uh, um, the notes for the podcast as well, so people can 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 take advantage of that offer. Okay, thanks very much, Jesse. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Take care, Sensei Ian. Well, wasn't that fun? I, I really enjoyed that conversation. It's very good of Jesse to make the, the time, and I'm sure that you enjoyed listening to that too. Uh, but someone will definitely get back on the podcast again, and next time we maybe do listeners' questions, because I think that might be uh, might be fun. But uh, yeah, thanks, Jesse. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to you for, for, for doing that. Uh, so as I mentioned at the start, also be sure to check out Lee Sims's new podcast and uh, Jamie Club's new podcast as well. Uh, Chris Wilder, of course, has been doing podcasts for a long time now, but we've now got a, a message from Chris about the upcoming uh, seminar we're doing uh, together. Uh, also, as well, if you just hang on right to the very end, because I've got a little bit of uh, bonus stuff for you that you might find interesting. So, so yeah, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, and I'll now hand you over to uh, Chris Wilder. Hey, and I just wanted to take a minute and uh, talk with your listeners about the seminar that you and I are going to be doing on the 30th of June through the 1st of July in Oxfordshire, there in the UK. First off, I want to thank you for inviting me back over to uh, England and an opportunity to get on the floor with some old faces and some new faces and uh, for making that happen. And it's always great to share the floor with you, so that I'm grateful for. The topics that we're going to be covering really are pretty diverse, but they come together into one nice uh, nugget of goodness, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, we drown in information out there. And so what we want to do is we want to bring some real and lasting growth uh, out of this seminar, things that people can take with them uh, that will change their art. And we think, uh, obviously, for the best. You know, some of the things that we'll be talking about are things like the predictive brain. We'll be working on that, um, crashing the system. Uh, power of intent, uh, generating power, of course, and um, speed, power coming together, and a few other topics, too. But the one that I think that is uh, kind of um, a hot topic, I guess, because of the way that it's written, is the exposing the error in your practice. We're going to take some time. We're going to break down some kata, and um, the point is, is that you're not going to do your kata the same after we get done with it. I think that that's going to be probably one of the more uh, interesting aspects of, of what we're going to be doing on the floor and over those two days. Everything else is going to dovetail into that. This is sort of the nexus of, of what we're going to be doing, you know, hitting on the arc and putting four on the floor and the living history and all of these things. They're actually uh very important because they form the outer edge of that wheel and they, f- they bring those spokes towards that center, which is the, um, the practice, how to be strong in your practice and how to see it with a new light. You know, we jokingly say that, um, it's the difference between the red pill and the blue pill as, uh, an homage to, uh, the Matrix movie, but it really is. And it's going to be challenging and, um, you can choose to pick it up. You can choose to pick up some of it, or you can choose to take it all. But regardless, you're going to walk away from this weekend changed. It's going to be a great time. I'm excited about being there. I'm excited about being on the floor with you, Ian. Again, seeing some old faces, and hopefully a whole lot of new people are going to show up too. It's going to be a big time. And remember, if you are thinking about signing up, I think it's the 16th of June. We close the registration. So you might want to get in on that early and uh, get that taken care of. And there'll be a few other surprises we'll have too. So uh, thanks for the time. Uh, appreciate uh, being on your podcast. And listen, if you have any questions about what's going to be going on, feel free to email me at wskadojo at gmail.com. I'm happy to talk with you. Until then. Hello. Hello, Jesse. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Absolutely perfect. That's fantastic. Yeah, I can. Awesome. Let me just turn up the volume a little bit. 
<laughs> it is so cool to finally be talking to you. Yeah, no, this is it. I, it was one of these things when when I sat down to do the um, to do this. I thought the the, the weird thing is I, I've heard your voice, you know, hundreds of times, and we've swapped <laughs> emails and things. And then I just realised, but we've never actually chatted live, if you know what I mean. So it was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, it's about time, man. It's about <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we can correct that. Yeah. Can I ask you one quick initial question? If that's just yeah, a, go ahead. yeah, so I was just um, uh, so everyone in this part of the world refers to you as as, as Jesse, right? My, my guess would be that you don't pronounce it that way back at home. Would that be right? Would it be yes? Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I just thought before we get going, I, I would ask which because see, I get the same thing because um, the I at the start of my name in some places they pronounce it as an I, so I'll get Ian rather than Ian. And then in, right, other, exactly. in, in other places, they don't recognize the, the, the spelling with the second I. So they assume yeah. the first I is a lowercase L. So I get lane quite a lot as well. <laughs> so, so, and probably just like you, I just get used to, yeah, that's fine. I'll answer to whatever you want to call me. You see. So, so I just thought for, for this, is, 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 is Jesse okay? Or would, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I speak English, I always say Jesse because that's usually how people say it in English. But of course, my mom says yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. that. That that would be my guess. You see, that's what I, well, that's what I thought when I when I saw it. I thought, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll go with Jesse then. That will, that will make it easier than, than rather than me trying to affect uh, any kind of Swedish pronunciations. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> like I've I've a friend called um, um, Jorge who has just completely given given up and just accepts George. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Is his name yeah. now because that's you know how everyone pronounces it. So yeah, we get exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah.